We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed. And I'm your host, John. And this time we, you know, this should be our first or second video or second podcast with video, uh, trying to incorporate that into our content for you guys. But this one is an interview with another, I guess, uh, friend and colleague from Stony Brook University, Brian Clark. He graduated with a mechanical engineering degree. We... Uh, you know, work down the road from each other at our previous positions. And this episode is really just about him pivoting from mechanical engineering, where he realized he didn't totally like where his career trajectory was going into software development. And he did that via a software boot camp. So we kind of just talk about that and then the challenges. And towards the end, we just bring it full circle with, you know, just taking those leaps of faith. Like we always try to tie back into the podcast and take those risks to make yourself happy and give yourself the life that you want and deserve. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. It's a, as always, it's a great conversation. We hope you enjoy the video audio format of all of this. Um, this one, it may be a little bit bumpy in the beginning, but you know, we'll, we'll get it going eventually. Um, but yeah, I th- we know you guys are going to love it. So let's just get right into it. We're super excited to uh, announce on Black Box that we have our first advertisement. And it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests. Uh, and they've become a new sponsor for the show. So tune in, check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned to hear more about why we love Zencaster. Hey guys, we're really excited to tell you guys about Black Ice, the black-owned jewelry business uh, owned by Sean Moore, who we've had on the podcast before. And if you just think about it, Black Box, Black Ice, it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, jewelry in itself, obviously it's flashy, but you know, on Black Box, we like to talk more about the investment aspect. Gold jewelry, as well as watches, are a physical asset class in their own, which is a bit safer and if you've seen the markets in the past year or so, stock market and crypto have been down a lot, whereas gold is really good at preserving its value and that's what it's known for. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that I've worked with him before personally to get a gift from my mother that was also a slightly custom piece as well. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about Sean. He was easy, he was flexible, the price was fair and you know, I met up with him, quick and easy transaction and my mom loved the gift and it turned out great. Yeah, so if all of this sounds good to you, you could check out his website or his socials. Um, it's Black Ice NYC, but it's black with a V instead of an A. And if you're looking for something stock, you could find it there. But he also does custom goods, and he specializes in doing custom things with a quick turnaround. Uh, yeah, and also if you're looking for a specific item, especially with you know watches, Sean loves to do sourcing, and because he's in the business it's a little bit better pricing than going directly through retail and working with, you know, the corporations. We also think it's a bit better. And we talk about that on the pod that you'd be supporting, you know, an upcoming entrepreneur and a small business instead of going and giving your money to these big corporations anyway. Yeah. So again, we're so excited to partner with Black Ice and be sure to check the description down below for uh, hit Sean's socials and his website and stay tuned for cool opportunities coming very soon. Just don't forget to mention the black box sent you. All righty. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Glad we could uh, finally hammer down a day. Uh, You want to just start by introducing yourself a little bit before we get into it? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on the Black Box podcast. Uh, my name is Brian Clark. Um, I met these guys at Steinbrook. Been friends with John for almost have been probably like four years, four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. John is someone who, yeah, fate has kept us close throughout like, our entire like, tenure. It's one of those people where like life keeps putting you in like a similar scenario as him. And I just can't escape this dude. So now, he, now I'm on the podcast. I can't. Hopefully in a good way. But yeah, uh, I guess a little sidebar. Um, you know, I constantly mentioned my last position when I was working in like defense <clears throat> and aerospace. 
Brian actually worked down the road. So when we were like going through shit and struggling with our jobs, we would always like link up during lunch and take walks around the, the compound. We called it because it was just like a depressing business park. Yeah. That's, that's like the cherry on top of like the plethora of other, like deeply intertwined things in our lives that have, that have kept yeah, us yeah. like close to each other. Like post COVID kind of everything. Well, not, yeah, I guess middle post COVID once we started going back into the office, we started realizing that we'd, or right down the road so but we didn't yeah we didn't talk about that before like yeah we, from like mutual friends mutual like relationships mutual interests to mutual careers i don't know what's next i'm kind of scared <laughs> <laughs> we're both gonna get new jobs like across the country and then walk into the office and be like oh shit what's good <laughs> yeah yeah i just can't find a way away from each other but yeah my time i like to I like John as a friend because uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders and it's always helpful for me to like reflect what I'm thinking. And uh, he always seems to provide really good advice. So it gives me type of types of like clarity in moments where I'm like, am I the only one? And then I turn to John. He's like, no, I've been doing this also for a long time too. So I appreciate that. Yeah. It's refreshing to like surround myself with, with, with people like that. Well, yeah, that's kind of a good, uh, a good segue into what we want to try to talk about today, which is, you know, Brian went to Stony Brook for mechanical engineering. That's what he graduated with his undergraduate uh, degree with. And, you know, he was working the position. You want to touch upon it more in a sec, you can, but it was a process engineering position. And, you know, when we would have these talks and walks and just consider our careers he would constantly bring up that he didn't feel like there was a lot of upward mobility and like what's next for him in terms of being a process engineer usually you become a senior process engineer and that's kind of what happens so uh you know on on your own brian you would you were figuring out what's the next move for me what's like the best thing and you would kind of come to me and be like hey like i'm thinking data science or maybe i'm thinking software engineering and we kind of were able to figure out what works best for like what you're looking for in your life, what skills you have and what skills you want to like develop. So yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the shit I talk about on the podcast all the time, just like trying to create your model life. Uh, I mean, and I appreciate all the good things that you said about me, but that's just the person that I want to be like for my friends around me. I'm going to try to, you know, encourage you to take that leap of faith, take that risk and, you know, maybe now we can start getting into a little bit more about what you decided to do. And if you're happy about your decision now that it's kind of reaching a, a closing point. Yeah, I'll be I'll be more than happy to walk you through my thought process and kind of how I formulated where I wanted to go with my career. I studied uh, mechanical engineering college. Um, I guess the dream at that time was like a lot of other uh, like undergraduate mech students is you go to like a big defense company. You kind of go from there and that, I guess that was the goal. Um, I started doing research in like the material space, um, like thermal spray and um, like the aerospace industry. So that's like the, the intersection of like mechanical and materials engineering. Um, it was in the research in industry. So I worked at a lab on campus under um, a professor. And then um, upon graduation, I moved over to like the, like the company that he had. And it was very similar. It was um, like experiential, like learning and a research company where they had like these contracts from uh, clients and we would like develop materials and like uh, produce thermally spray coatings for, for, for anything. It could be for parts or for, uh, yeah, for protective layers for jet engines or something like that. So um, I realized as I was working there that like I didn't like materials that much. Um, there were some parts that were interesting. Uh if you're passionate about like research and material science, I think it's, it was like the dream job for that, but I wasn't. So I gained some clarity from that. And um, yeah, as for like employers, when they ask like, what is your greatest failure? I was thinking about that question and I'm like considering saying that like, cause you go through four years of a, of a university, right. And you're like anticipating on like finding the correct career to land at. And then I landed at something and it wasn't the correct fit. So it's like, I would consider that a failure, but without that, like I wouldn't have gained the clarity of like where I wanted to go. So then I'm like, okay, Hey, like what's next for me? I'm yeah. not sure what I want to do. So I'm trying to find out like what would be a good place to pivot. And for me personally, like the graphs always grew like greener, like throughout, it's like every year I wanted to do something new. 
So I, I wanted to land on something um, that I guess was super broad and the possibilities were like, like, like endless, uh, pretty much exactly. Yeah. So, and then, but like my tune changed a bit. I realized that like, instead of trying to find like the perfect occupation for yourself, bro, I switched in the sense yeah. of like, you pick something and you get good at it and then you leverage your, per- your professional skills, your professional like acumen to get what you want. So I found something which I enjoy and which I'm like passionate about. I like software. I like I like building things with software. So now, um, yeah, I want to like leverage that uh, technical expertise yeah. to like carve out a job and a career that I like. So that's where I'm at now. I'm in, um, I'm am co- content with the choice I made now. I quit my job in Jan- in January. I went into a coding bootcamp, uh, full stack ac- academy to like they teach you like the professional skills to like kind of hit the ground running. And then uh, yeah, from then on out, it's kind of up to you to. Uh, I guess choose and like chart the course of your career. So that's the state that, that that's the stage I'm at now, and I'm content with my choice. But like I said, like talk to me in two years, I'll probably have a better retrospective kind of where I'm at, where I'm gonna go. Of course, um, I guess I know you mentioned that you were doing materials research at Stony Brook. So um, a bit of background about me, I guess just just for some reference, I did uh, I studied chemical engineering at. Stony Brook. So I worked very closely with the materials department. So wh- which professor were you working with? If you don't mind me. Yeah. So I, yeah, of course I worked at the center for thermal spray research under uh, pr- professor uh, Sampath. So Sanjay Sampath, he, uh, um, yeah, he's been at Stony Brook. He got his PhD at, at Stony Brook. And then I think he worked professionally for a bit and then he came back and he's been a professor since forever. He's uh been like the lead, like the leader of the center of, of CTSR, the center for thermal spray research for like decades. And yeah, he's like extremely accomplished. I'm very grateful uh, to have be given the opportunity to work for him. He's like such a leader in his field. And yeah, I got super lucky being there and I learned a lot there from a lot of smart people from across the world. Yeah, so it was definitely true. a great experience for me to like get my uh, feet wet and like learn what it means to work pr- professionally as an engineer. So yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, also the way you can look at things, like you're saying, looking back in retrospective, uh, you know, you realize that that's the career you didn't want to do long term, you know, but at the same time, you took everything that you could from it. Like you learned some professional skills, you learned how to like time manage on in a professional setting, how to, you know, work with your employees cooperatively so there is a lot of positive that you can take out of that you don't have to always look at it at uh as a negative absolutely yeah uh and then from professor sandpath like i realized like he had a deep passion for this stuff (laughs) so yeah from uh just working under professor sandpath like i saw what it looked like to have an incredible passion for something so Will I be able to get there for something? I don't know. Is it something uh, that I think is worth trying to emulate and trying to find something like that? Absolutely. So that's where I'm at now. And yeah. 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 The, the other point that I wanted to make too was, you know, there are a lot of people that, you know, and there's nothing wrong with this too, as long as, you know, you're really pursuing like happiness in your career, because as Americans, we work in a career for, you know, most of our life. I feel like a lot of people will go through the four-year university or the two-year university or, you know, their certification for something, get into the field, realize they don't like it, but then kind of, I don't want to say scared or they're maybe afraid in some ways, I don't know, or just hesitant to go back and try something else because they just put four years and they don't want to look at it as a waste. But that's why I brought up the previous point because it's really not a waste. You were, as long as you can mentally take things from it and move forward, at least knowing that you made some progress and took some type of skills from your previous experience and i don't think there should be any like hesitation to try to just keep pursuing what you love because yeah. the point. you never you never know if your previous experience could come up and be relevant to your to a new job to your current job like especially with mechanical engineering and software engineering um I met a mechanical engineer who worked for Apple recently and he was telling me he like works on some of the hardware components for the iPhone. But like, if you are able to have that, like some kind of mechanical engineering background, 
and the software background, I feel like that would be pretty dope. Yeah, I'm trying to. I put some thought into trying to figure out like the marriage of both of them. I don't know. I don't know quite of what it looks like of whether you're. I mean, obviously, like the knee jerk reaction is you're a software engineer at a mechanical engineering company. That's something that makes sense. But as for like the marriage of them both, that like what comes to mind is to me is like electrical engineering and like uh, I don't know, like low level machine code and like yeah, I don't know how quite I would like marry the two of them. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless, which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to The Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a, a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making your podcast experience easy and and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools, if you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash blackbox and enter our promo code blackbox, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash blackbox, B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. I don't, I don't think it has to be something that you really intentionally try to do. Like I would say, kind of not necessarily go with the flow, yeah. but try and find a job that seems interesting to you today or like at whatever point in your life that you're looking to make a change. And if you're able to use something that you learned in the past, then that's awesome. If not, then like you're still you still have the skills that you need to do your current job and excel at it. Yeah. And John, you said like find a job that makes you happy. I've also put some thought into that too. Like obviously like that's what everyone wants. Right. But I also was thinking like, I don't want there to be like a work version of me and then like whatever it may be like a personal home. Like I want it to be like as corny as it sounds like whole, I don't want to have to like, I don't know, like flipping a switch. That sounds like exhausting. Like I'd want to like derive like that, fulfillment from like my occupation that I also I mean obviously it's different from like a personal relationship right but I want I kind of just want it to be like one sum or like a Venn diagram almost where there's like overlaps instead of just like hey you're over here and work is over here and you have to make that switch like every day because that's kind of sounds like exhausting no definitely and I feel like that's you know I've told you about my new position and I feel like I can relate when I compare where I was working and where I'm working now when I log on to work now, you know, I'm wearing the same clothes. I'm talking the same, you know, maybe not as goofy as I am with like my boys, but like, I don't have to think about what I'm saying too much. Like I can be honest, open communication. And I've been able to see that, like that cross contamination between my work self, my personal self. And, you know, that certainly helps with like you enjoying the job too, because you don't have to pretend to be someone when you log online or something. Exactly. And, also, when you these more modern software positions, which is definitely what you're like heading towards, even if that's not the first position you get, uh, like you can log on like, you know, a couple hours in the morning, then go do something and then come back online later and do a couple hours of work and hop on your meeting and then, you know, finish your day up answering some emails right before bed. Like you don't it the workforce and the work environment is changing so much that I feel like it caters to exactly what you just said. Like, yeah, I agree. I think. I speaks a lot of like the modern work-life balance, which I think is changing. And it's also a slippery slope, right? You're like, okay, I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I think that speaks a lot about the uh, modern work-life balance and how it's changing. Cause you don't, it's also a, sl- a slippery slope too, where like you don't want it to be completely separate from home and work, but also you don't want it to be like too intertwined and like integrated to where like it's kind of messy. And then you come into work and your and your coworkers like, yeah, we're one big family. Like that to me no, is like fam- a red flag. I do flag. not want that. I have one family. I do not need a work family. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's super hard to attain that balance. I think that's like, that's harder than that can be harder than get than get, than get, than trying to get a job in like the first place. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, probably just 
circles back to more of you being able to like create that separation and like there's a line i meant it more in the sense that i don't have to pretend to be someone where at my old job exactly. i had to like pretend to be someone <laughs> or like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah one thing i wanted to say to kind of steer back is what was like the biggest challenge that you had to go through to like get yourself to you know go through the boot camp and now you're in the job search process i haven't talked to you so i don't know how that's going but yeah uh, the biggest obstacle for me was it mental? Was it like your skills? Like what? What was it? Yeah. So obviously, like pro programmatically, it was hard. But I would say the biggest obstacle for me was probably mental. I think everything was in my head. I had to like, I had to like overcome imposter syndrome, like everybody else. It's not like a unique thing, but just to be able to know that like you can do this and it's tricky right because you have your previous career and as you continue to like build momentum and uh whatever gain positions and gain certifications or whatever it may be like once you career pivot or do something like that it's obviously like we spoke about before like you don't start from scratch like you have these like uh like transitional knowledge and you kind of build off what you know but it's like it's you'll get in your own head and you're like, Hey, like I'm starting from zero, but it's like, so you have to like keep your wits about you and like remind yourself being like, Hey, um, I'm just building off of what I did in the past. So probably just like, uh, like ha having the confidence in myself to kind of make a leap and trust the process and, and do stuff like that. I tried to, before I quit my job, I was like trying to like, um, I guess focus on mental health to like prepare myself for like, um, uh, being an unemployed guy in 2022, <laughs> it's like not a pleasurable process. Like society does not really uh, like smile on the comparing young unemployed to men. Too many crypto kings with their exactly Lambos. yeah, and and the comparison stuff is is very dangerous too. But I yeah I found it was mostly a, me a mental a mental battle of just trying to overcome it imposter syndrome. But um, yeah, tr truly anything is possible if if you believe yourself. That sounds corny, but yeah. I feel like I changed like my, like my mindscape over the past couple of years and it's like flipped on its head and, um, yeah, you can kind of dig yourself out of any hole. You just got to get a shovel and start going and it's probably not going to be fun, but I like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, how, how is the actual, like, like, is it, would you, is it called an academy or like what, what would you consider it? Yeah, so it was a it's a three month or a four it's a four month long program like seventeen weeks. It's called uh, the one I went to was Full Stack Academy. Um, the way I would describe it, it's like a professional development course in the sense that like something like a university will teach you like theoretical type of knowledge. Like this is almost the complete like con converse of that, where it's nearly exclusively like professional skills. Like what might you do on the job? Practical AKA, stuff. Yeah, build out web web applications. So like on the first day, they're like, "Hey, like guys, like this is not a computer science PhD program. Like we're happy to explain like what's going on under the hood, but like that's not why we're here." So they kind of let that be known, and you're kind of just yeah, you're you're gaining like the technical tools um, to be able to do the job, and that's I guess that's the goal with that. I think it's I think it's da is dangerous when people equate the uh, bootcamp certificate to a computer science degree. I think they're both very valuable and they're both uh, viable path pathways to breaking into the world of tech. But yeah, I think you're completely right. I think, um, yeah, you definitely gain like a, de a deeper understanding of like how um, like computing works with a computer science degree. And I'm not going to act like I learned that in uh, just in three months of learning like professional software. But I would say that they do prepare you to be able to build uh, web, web, web applications from the ground up. That's something I'm confident in doing now. And it helps you um, build momentum in your career to be like, hey, actually anyone can pro program. Like it doesn't take um, like a 16 year old, like Ethereum whiz or something like. Yeah, I what? feel like there's no better time, like in recent history, I would say, than the current to be able to just easily teach yourself or not maybe or easy and all of these, I don't know like what's easy for everyone, but like in terms of access, like the access to education, if you have like Wi-Fi or an internet signal of some kind, you could 
teach yourself how to do anything, whether it's like a paid course or free things on YouTube or whatever. Like you could always find a way to learn and pick up some new skills that could help you become like more attractive on the job market. So like, but I feel like it definitely takes, it takes balls to do what you did. Um, and kind of like trust the process, um, knowing that the outcome will be worth all the work that you're putting in. Yeah. I think one of the more valuable skills I have, uh, is just not being afraid to make an ass of myself. And <laughs> sometime it backfires on me, but yeah, I just, I'm ready to fail. And like, like last night I did the worm at my friend's house and no, it was probably embarrassing at a but... party. <laughs> yeah, it was like a get together. <laughs> no, no, but that's that's like the bigger idea, and that I want to pull out of this episode is you know we can cover on the specifics of software engineering, but the bigger picture is you know you're you are pretty much the only thing keeping you from living the life that you're currently living and living the life that you wish to live. You know, and obviously everyone can't accumulate vast riches or whatever like people have in their minds like having anything they want but it's more like just living a life that you enjoy and that you're happy to like experience every day Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i also think that there are i would be nice it would be naive for me to overlook that there are some like privileges associated with my position and it's like all like good and well to be able to be like hey i'm chasing my passion why doesn't everyone else do that and like that's not like fair to cast that judgment upon others so i understand that like i'm very fortunate to be in this scenario mm-hmm. and yeah it takes a village and it's not like oh i did it my my own my own bootstraps like it's it couldn't be farther from the truth and it's like i'm just lucky to be in this scenario where i can make these choices that um benefit myself and hopefully all, all, all others in the in like the future yeah too. no yeah that's a good point too uh th- thanks for touching on that i think also what comes with that, you know, the less privilege you have, not that it makes it completely and entirely impossible to make these changes and take those risks. It just has to be done at like a much slower pace. Cause usually that, that means the privileges of like, all right, I already have a family that I need to take care of. So I might not be able to just quit my job right now, you know, move back in with family or whatever, you know, like, like I did, I moved back in with my family um, and just start like taking all these risks. So not everyone has the ability to do that. Also, some people, you know, the current job that they're working might be very low paying and what they're trying to get is to maybe a software position and do a boot camp. But again, that doesn't allow them to just do whatever they want, drop everything and start like diving into this shit. So I think, you know, while that definitely needs to be said and validated, I think that it's possible in any, in most situations, if you live in like a modern country, it's just that the timeline in which you can achieve those things gets very like drawn out. Yeah. It's also, it's very, it's very case specific. Um, yeah. And I mean, even, even like with, with the boot camps, like are these, these types of things are, um, are they through like a company or like, did you like, what, who did you have to go through and like, did you have to pay them? Because I think that could also be a factor if something is cost prohibitive. If you if you look at boot camps, there's like such a wide spectrum of them. Um, they come in all shapes and sizes, which is I think some of the complaints about them is that some of them can have predatory type at type of habits. Um, so some of them are through institutions, which I can't really speak on a lot of them. I know some of them will take like for example like uh, Columbia School of Engineering, like they'll use their namesake to, uh, to start a boot, a bootcamp program, but it's like not any Columbia staff that teach it. So it could be some interesting stuff there. Like I said, I can't really speak on it too much because I wasn't a part of those, but the one that I, I was a part of uh, at full stack, it's like a separate entity in and of itself. And um, yeah, you pay them a flat rate straight up front. And um, but then they, I think some programs offer also offer like, um, like a, tuition reimbursement type of deal where once you're employed like they take a mm-hmm. cut of your paycheck but then that could exceed the upfront value so uh that can be also seen as like kind of predatory too but um i don't know no one forces you to, to do these things you kind of they just want to arm you with the tools i guess to get a job and to be inside of it i liked it because the people in the cohort like 
for like the people that I want to surround myself with. It was people from literally all walks of life, all types of ages. Um, yeah, extremely diverse. It's like inspiring if you see like a dude on Zoom with like a baby in his arms also programming and then doing like Uber at night. It's like, yo, there are no excuses. Like I am more than equipped to be able to do well in this. And it's like, those are the types of people I want to surround myself with who are just kind of kicking ass in life. So, yeah, you know, people that are like, will see a challenge and they'll face it like head on. Um, but I guess, I guess um, one, one, like one final, like overall topic I definitely wanted to touch on um, uh, for this episode was, so now that you, I'm guessing you completed the course, right? And you're doing the job search process right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you know, do you know like what kinds of uh, roles that you would, that you like are looking for or um, is it kind of just like more general at this time? Yeah. So the roles that I'm looking for, I am looking for entry level software engineering positions or developer positions like junior uh, developer positions. As for like target industries or companies, I like uh, like the FinTech industry. I like uh, the crypto industry. Obviously um, I'm aware that as for a first position, I'd be willing to, um, yeah, pick up any type of job. As for actual companies like, um, like F100, like Fangs aren't completely on my radar. Um, I'd be very comfortable just to be a dude with a job, the dude with the software engineering job. So yeah, that's what's on my radar now. But definitely, uh, yeah, entry level type of software engineering would be uh, gotcha. the goal for me. Yeah, I think uh, you know, at, we've talked about this before. After you get that first job in whatever industry, and you start to build that confidence up a bit. <laughs> then that's when you, you know, feel like you can start reaching more, you know, trying to negotiate because you have some sort of leverage, like you bring some value to the table. You want to make sure right now you can get into a position, have some effect and build the skills so you can then. It's very refreshing because nearly every company has a need for this type of talent. And uh, just the field is incredibly broad. So in my previous field, it was extremely niche. Like everyone knows each other. Like I am a process engineer, but I have this thermal spray experience that can translate to other thermal spray companies, which is like, it's a few, like if I'm being honest, it's a few. So that kind of like boxed in mentality was like, I don't know. It gave me like cabin fever and like make gave me like claustrophobia. So now to be in this where it's like the wild West and it's like the possibilities are infinite are it's like scary, but it's also like, it's like, it's like motivating too because you could really carve out and be anywhere you want. So that's one of the reasons why I went into something like this. Got you. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I really like how um, with a lot a lot of like tech focused jobs, they're like you could get very specific into something and become like a subject matter expert at a specific aspect of software engineering, for example. Or you can like you could build just general skills that will help you in so many different types of roles and at so many different companies. So. And I just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with Zencaster and check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools. I don't know. I feel, I feel like, like I, I was also a process engineer. Um, I did like process engineering for makeup at SA Lauder and I desperately wanted to move into tech and I was able to do it like just this past month. And I could say it's definite it like, has definitely made my outlook on life a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Also, what um, what languages were you working in, uh, just to clarify for the audience? Yeah, so JavaScript, HTML, CSS, like the Pern stack. Uh, yeah, Postgres Express, React Node is like what we focused on. And then so um, also... Yeah, front end. Also, yeah, both. We had uh, Node.js as our, as our, as our back end. Um, with like an express uh, server too. And then also mess around a bit with uh, Solidity as well. And John is well aware of that as I gave him many, many a, mi- a midnight phone call with him to try to try to complain and get my contracts to work. But <laughs> yeah, mainly focusing in, 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 in JavaScript, which I enjoyed. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, pl- it's a, pl- it's a pleasure to use and create uh, web, web apps. Yeah. JavaScript is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Did you use Python? No, I did not use Python. 
I'm I'm also well aware though that the that like to find a company that uses my exact stack is extremely slim to none. So I just yeah. But I'm also like eager to learn whatever too. I feel like I have the tools now to, um, yeah, to be able to pick up a language and pick, and pick it up fast. Yeah. So yep. yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to learn, um, about uh like a little more about software. So I I took a few courses in in college just because I had to basically, but. For, like, what type I, of languages did they have? Oh, like MATLAB stuff? Did MATLAB uh, C, and C++ in college, okay. and then I did Java in high school. But I don't know. I feel like from everyone, like including John, everyone who has coded or um, has become like pretty proficient at it, um, at least in my eyes, uh, they... Oh, everyone says like once you know a language or you know like the general rules of coding, it is significantly easier to just pick up a new language because it's like minor tweaks, but you still have the same overall thought process. Yeah, I think it's really important to have like a, ma- a mentor too. Um, I had one of my friends, uh, Alex Wojno. He kind of kind of walked me through and guided me through my journey. Uh, trying to bring into tech, and then all, and then, then also John was a big like pr- uh, pr- proponent too that I turned to. Uh, John's very knowledgeable in tech, and he's also like he's in it for the right reasons. In which like he likes the actual technology, he likes to build, he likes to. He's just he's 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 passionate for it. So when you're trying to switch into a space, it's good to like have people like that to like I need to list you as a like, hey <laughs> hey it's worth it because we can build cool stuff and by the way this is the thing i built and look how dope it is and it's when you see that you're like this is inspiring like i want to do that too so yeah yeah for sure yeah, it's also kind of like part of being an engineer like people kind of pay us to one solve problems and two to build like innovative cool things that make people's products better so yeah. if you're I've, i have a question for you ahmed like that's what I'm saying with engineering. Like they basically teach us problem solving, right? Like how was your transition? And do you feel like, do you feel like you should be able to be able to pivot into, let's say whatever engineering you want because you have strong problem solving skills and l- listen, it wouldn't be that hard to pick up like the day to day job stuff. Like what's your take on that? Do you think that's like too much of a leap of faith or do you think there's some truth in there? All right. Um, I guess with, so I did, um, so chemical engineering for in school, and then I worked as a process engineer at, for like a chemical engineering company. Um, the skill set, like on the surface, between um, my job there, my, I mean, granted, for my new job, I'm still doing trainings and onboarding, so I don't have a full understanding of what I'm doing yet. But I feel like, like they. Like even throughout my interview process, they never asked me. I, granted, I didn't apply for an engineering position. Um, it's more like I think the category of the job is like solutions consulting. Um, but it's very like the skill set that they wanted was pretty broad. It was like experience with like like project management for two years or like communicating with internal stakeholders, working with external vendors, like that kind of stuff. So even though I don't have like the specific skills to do my current job, like the amount of training that a lot of these tech companies have available to you is so like, so like insanely large, right? Like they have huge teams of people working to make these trainings and development courses that I don't think the, like, even though I don't have the exact transferable skills that would help me, that would, like, that I need to do this job, I don't think it really matters. Nor does, like, the people I work with that are like, oh, yeah, no, in like, don't worry, you'll be completely caught up to speed in, like, two months from now. One thing, I, let me just hammer on this real quick. I wanted to follow up with what he was saying. You know, we went through the four-year degree, which, like you said, gives us in some way the ability to solve problems and, like, pick up new things and be able to, like, you know, as an engineer, your brain doesn't really function like a piece of, like, a hard drive in a computer. It functions more like a processor with RAM. You know, it's, like, more short-term, like, picking things up, learning things on the fly, like, adapting to problems. It's not like, all right, I'm learning the same 
three functions and then carrying those out for 35, 45 years. You know what I mean? So I feel like because we got the four-year degree, it makes those abilities easier. But the thing that I always try to bring up is that, you know, anybody, if they really wanted to commit to it and they had the time and the resources can like learn new things, it just takes time. And also when you don't have the previous experience of maybe an engineering degree or something along those lines that forces you to learn those, like the ability to adapt quickly, it makes it seem way more daunting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if anyone didn't have a knowledge of, of anything software, anything computers, if they just did one thing a day, like 30 minutes to an hour a day of studying, eventually they could self-teach them themselves anything, any language. I truly believe that. I just think the engineering aspect or the engineering degree part makes it a little bit easier to, you know, do the, do that. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that does. Yeah. I remember, um, a, like a thing from David Goggins book, he described it as like the cookie jar of like all the accomplishments you have. And in times of like crisis, you would like consult the cookie jar and be like, Hey, I did this. I did X, Y, and Z to like gain his confidence. Cause that's truly what it yeah. is. Like, you're always capable of learning new stuff. And, but sometimes you need like the re, like the reassurance to be like, Hey, I also did in the past. Like, I don't know why we need to remind ourselves, but it's a, it's like a powerful tool. Yeah. From, from the, uh, and I mean, like, again, I know I had the computer engineering degree and I had some coding experience, but before this new position, I really only had like a rough idea of what an API really was. I didn't even fully, you know, like when I would have conversations with people, I could understand what they were saying. But I didn't know like how to how you create an endpoint, like how to hit an endpoint, like what that even means. And, you know, within two months of my job, I fully was able to come up to speed on that stuff. So, I've, you know, sometimes you also it, it comes down again to just throwing yourself in the fire and seeing if you'll make it out. And in most cases, you make it out in some way. It might not be the way that you initially thought you'd make it out, but you're always going to come out with some more knowledge and better in some aspect on the other side yeah that's very that's like comforting for you to say that because i think if people would look at you and your background they would assume that you would all like have that stuff all under wraps so i think it's important to like i like content creators and people who like demystify uh the world of tech or whatever in, industry they're in to like uh just to decrease the amount of like gatekeeping i think that just makes everyone the whole industry better and just like a like a healthier place to work. i think uh sorry I was, I was just gonna say i think another another um like big factor is that a lot of these tech companies are relatively young companies. So they, they operate, I feel very differently from like, like the first company I worked with, I think was founded in like the 1960s or something like that. Um, And they had, they kind of had that like old company mentality of like the whole corporate corporate ladder structure which which you'll find everywhere like whenever a company gets big you need to have some kind of organizational structure but like they will hire people with all of these diverse backgrounds because they want to have they want to represent all the different types of people in the world because their their users are all different types of people right and the best way to accurately like make like accurately create products for all the different like like if you're creating products for billions of people you can't have a team where everyone is very like-minded you need people that are come from all of these different backgrounds like for example the team that i just recently joined my manager had her background is in hospitality right so she worked in like in hotels and that industry and i know like one of the people on my team worked at Cisco beforehand doing like some kind of support role. And I'm coming from like a process engineering role for a makeup company, like completely different and maybe not very relevant um, to like our new, our new and current roles. But overall, I feel like it's still beneficial. All right. The one thing that I wanted to say now that we got a camera, I could show this. This is the book that I'm finishing up right now, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Exactly what we're kind of talking about now. Uh, I literally just read these pages like earlier this morning. Fear of criticism 
I feel like is what keeps a lot of people from doing these things because, you know, we grow up in a society where like being criticized and, and failing is in a lot of ways usually like looked down upon, you know, and then you start to develop this mindset where you're always scared to fail because you're waiting for someone else to criticize you for it. When in reality, if you have like, if you can develop some sort of or some level of humility and understand that failure is just a part of the process. Shit. We talk about on the podcast, every episode, basically I just, I love these points, but you know, when you become okay with that, you, you like break down this wall that keeps you from, you know, gaining those skills and reaching those things and adding those, those tools to your uh, tool belt, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, like we are like conditioned in that sense. I really think it's like your own worst critic and you really hate to fail. But something that I found in my experience is like when you're willing to fail and you get vulnerable, like people around you like you more because that shows that you are comfortable with them and that you trust them. So it's like, if you get over your own feel of failure, it's like not other people aren't going to treat you out like you're going to Because you know, all right, if, if they're not, you know, beating themselves up so much about failing, then maybe it's okay if I fail once. Like, as long as you're trying your best, you know, shit ain't always going to work out. So if you're, but if you always have that concept of a failure being a possibility of like, you know, ruining things or being a negative thing in the back of your head all the time, you know, usually you'll can, or you can condition yourself to then like induce failure in your situation. Because if you constantly like, foster that idea or like keep thinking about in the back of your head like oh shit i hope i don't fail i don't want to fuck up i don't want this to go wrong everything's gonna like blow up in front of me if if i fail and it doesn't work out you're literally speaking the failure into existence but if you understand that failure is maybe a possibility and if it happens all it's going to be is a lesson learned and then move forward onto the next thing or try again it gives you more like mental capacity to think about like how you can actually make it work you know what yeah. i mean I'm I'm going to try to draw a metaphor and I don't know I don't know how good or useful this will be so bear with me. Um if you if you try and think of where you currently are as a point on the map on a map and where your goal is as another point on the map like odds are there is cuz I feel like th- this is like a recurring theme on Black Box with every person that we interview they tell us about how like for the first couple of years, there were failures and there were challenges that you have to overcome. But like you can't get from point A to point B by just drawing a straight line, right? There is no road that's like perfectly straight anywhere probably in the world. Maybe like some drag strips, but like then if you want to move like slightly to the side, like you're going to need to find a new road, right? So I feel like like this, I guess we'll try and tie it all together to make it like one wholesome good like, you know, and nice yeah. ending point, uh, like your, your time, Brian doing mechanical engineering, that was just like a segment of your journey. Right. And it might've been uh, a road that isn't like, isn't really like a hundred percent moving in the direction of your end goal, but it's generally helping you get there. Right. It's just part of the journey. And I feel like part of the reason, like I would say, the best part of a career is that like, is when you yourself are like, I don't, I don't know, leveling yourself up, like not like in terms of literal levels for your job, but like the way you're feeling about your job, what, like how you're getting closer to what you ultimately want to do and all of that. So. I want to touch on one thing with that. I thought that was like a beautiful metaphor and embodies what I feel. I think that from point A to point B, I think it's something that I struggle with is like, okay, like once I like pivot my career and once I land a position, like things like seeking, seeking resolution and seeking like a, I guess like an end, like an end is something that can be like a slippery slope for me because right when you get there, you just move the chains and um, it's just a new goal. And it's just like, okay, I want to, you know what I mean? Like almost like, um, like the hat, like the happiness that you're staving off from yourself is like fleeting because you never get to reach your destination. So I totally agree in like the nonlinear path from A to B. It's like, I guess B is not the end all be all. And that's something that is important for me to keep in mind because 
else I'm chasing some non-existent goal that I, I think that that's more comes down to like you know you never the whole point is that you never really get to be yeah like yeah you figure out how to enjoy the journey from a to b and there and might then, be nice views yeah. along the way yeah we just hope we we just hope that the slope that the slope from a to b is a positive yeah trend. yeah exactly that's that's, that's all that, that's and then all you're learning for. things and becoming a better person along the way and you're not like absolutely starting to develop bad habits but you know it just i mean if, if b is happiness like if you're one of those people that always says all right once i get here then i'll be happy you're never going to be happy but if you're happy with the journey of making it you know you might along the way collect accolades like all right i want to be able to develop these like streams of passive income or i want to you know get this house or i want to have this specific car or you know, non-material things too. I want to have this type of relationship with my family. Those are all things that you could pick up along the way. I just think the fact is once you stop and you say you get to be, then like, what do you do after that? That's when you kind of stop being a lifelong learner and you just like settle into whatever that is. And usually that's mediocrity, but. Or complacency. Yeah. Complacency, better term. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Brian, are there any other questions you had or anything you wanted to talk about quick or otherwise? It's probably a good point to wrap it up. Yeah, if you guys want to wrap it up, I think another thing on that to try to not see completion, I think like slow, slow, like slowing things down has helped me and like putting a big emphasis on like mindfulness to be like, hey, I'm not going to get this tomorrow. I'm not going to get this a week from now. Like, that's okay. But in the meantime, like, let's focus on right now and let's focus on like what I can do in like today to make tomorrow better so i think that that helps you with that versus just like okay all gas no brakes like let's seek out this goal which is very productive but um at what at what cost but yeah it's been a it's been a pleasure y'all thank you for having me um i guess i will send us off um you guys know where to reach us at black box podcast no a in the black on instagram and twitter black box podcast with an a in the black on tiktok now you can see on Med's hand motions that I see every Yes, day. sir. <laughs> and yeah, no, no A in the black. This is gonna like once we have t-shirts, this is gonna be a design. Like no with a an A. <laughs> no A in the black. But um thank you again, Brian, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Um and I enjoyed our conversation about you know, like the whole transition of career and life and the purpose of life. But yeah, thank you all for listening and we will see you next week. Peace. Peace.